Hey, No Wrong Answers listeners, before we get started with this latest episode, I just wanted to say something real quick. Two days after we taped this episode, an 18-year-old was shot and killed at STEM High School. That's a charter school in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, just outside Denver. His name was Kendrick Castillo, and one of his classmates told NBC News that when the shooter, a fellow student, entered her classroom and pulled out a pistol, Castillo lunged at the shooter in an apparent attempt to stop him. Castillo was shot, but not before he gave his classmates a chance to scramble under their desks or try to flee out of the room. Three other students reportedly also came after the shooter and eventually were able to bring him down, but not after he shot and injured eight more students. Castillo later died at a nearby hospital. Colorado Governor Jared Polis called him a hero for his actions. Kendrick Castillo was three days away from graduating high school. Castillo's death came days after a shooting on the campus of the University of North Carolina, Charlotte, where 21-year-old Riley Howell was also shot and killed as he rushed and tackled a shooter who had entered a classroom there. Along with Howell, another student, identified as Ellis Reed Parlier, was killed and four other students wounded. Howell's actions are also being credited with saving lives. Any teacher who has been through an active shooter training recently knows the way we and our students are told to approach these horrible scenarios is changing. Gone is the shelter-in-place mindset that made the Columbine shooting so deadly. In its place are strategies like run, hide, fight. That is, run if you can, hide if you have nowhere better to go, and if you're out of those two options, fight back. I'm sick to my stomach, thinking Castillo and Howell might have actually been doing something they'd been taught in an active shooter drill at school. Then again, it may have been something else entirely. Castillo's father, John, told the Denver Post, I wish he had gone and hid, but that's not his character. Kendrick Castillo and Riley Howell were heroes, to be sure. It's a tragedy they were ever put in the position of having to choose whether to be one or not. This episode of No Wrong Answers is brought to you by the Kauffman Foundation, investing in educators and lifting up the Kansas City region, which is dedicated to learning together to improve educational and economic success. Learn more at Kauffman.org. A high school newspaper's story about a student sex worker causes a national stir. Now the district is threatening to fire the newspaper's teacher advisor. We get that teacher's side of the story on this episode of the No Wrong Answers podcast. Welcome to No Wrong Answers, the weekly podcast that gives you a teacherly take on the world. I'm your host, Kyle Palmer. I used to be in the classroom as an English teacher. Now I'm behind the mic as a radio journalist. And I'm joined, as always, by a group of hardworking teachers who have a lot on their minds and are ready to talk. So let's introduce them. Luann Fox, welcome back. What do you teach? Hi, I teach high school English. Uh, Susana Alicerraraz, who has come back for the second week in a row. Seems like maybe we didn't scare her off after her first show. So, Susana, what do you teach? I teach sixth grade math. And coming back to the table for the first time in a few weeks, Bakari Uku'u, welcome back. What do you do in education? Middle school vice principal. So, Luann, Susana, and Bakari, all educators in the Kansas City metro area. Before we get started, just a reminder, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter, The Friday Cheat Sheet, at NoWrongAnswersPodcast.com. The Friday Cheat Sheet gives you a preview of what we'll be talking about on the next episode and also a review of some of the interesting education stories that caught our eye during the week. It's your teacherly take on the world in your inbox. Sign up for The Friday Cheat Sheet at NoWrongAnswersPodcast.com. 
On the Friday before we are taping this episode, the Bruin Voice, the student newspaper at Bear Creek High School in Stockton, California, went forward with publication of a story that had caused a national stir even before it ran. The article profiles an 18-year-old senior at Bear Creek High who is pursuing a career in adult entertainment. Weeks before the story was published, the Lodi School's superintendent sent a letter to the Bruin Voices faculty advisor, Kathy Duffel, requesting that administrators get a chance to review the article before it was published. The letter said the story could violate state education codes against publishing obscene material and that if Duffel and The Voice went forward, Duffel herself could face punishment, including possibly being fired. Well, Duffel and her student editors, according to the Stockton Record, respectfully declined to submit the story for review and this past Friday published it. You can now read that story at BruinVoice.net. And joining No Wrong Answers Now to talk about this is Kathy Duffel, the English and journalism teacher at Bear Creek High School. And she's been that now for nearly 30 years. Kathy, thanks so much for taking the time. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, so I, as I said, this story was published on Friday. It's, you can see it on um, your website, BruinVoice.net. Um, I, I think as well, I presume that there's actually a printed version of this as well, so it starts circulating around your school, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, just kind of tell me, what was Friday like? Oh, it, it was um, so exciting for us um, after such a long-fought battle. We print about um, 1,900 copies um, for a student body of about 2,200, and my students... Um, count them out, um, deliver them to classrooms, and um, for the first time in a long time, um, they were actually rushed um, as they got to the doors um, to deliver the newspapers because students were so excited to read the Bruin Voice because they had been following um, our fight with the district, um, obviously, um, very closely. So it was a day of celebration, um, but it was also um, tinged with uh, difficulties on the horizon, um, that we may have won this battle, but the war certainly is not over when it comes to prior review with our district. Yeah, and I definitely want to get into that. I also wonder how are your students handling everything? The students have been um, my rock. I mean, they, they are why I do what I do. Um, they are an incredible <clears throat> group of kids who um, who understand um, their responsibility. Um, they know that they are charged with a great deal of um, both freedom, um, and with that freedom comes responsibility, and, and they have withstood the pressure. I'm very proud of them, especially Bailey Kirkaby, um, who has fought so hard to get this story to print. And this is I'm the, the editor-in-chief, your, your top editor, Bailey, is? Uh, Bailey is actually my managing editor and my news editor. She's the author of the piece. And um, Gabriella Backus is my um, editor-in-chief, who, um, right alongside Bailey, also fought very hard to get this article to press. Have you heard from administrators since Friday, or on Friday itself? They issued a statement, actually, that was quite ridiculous. Other than that, I have um, not heard from the district personnel. What was the statement? What did the, what did the statement say? Let me grab it here. Um, it, it was a, kind of a, a pat statement that had a lot of um, district language, but I, I found it rather ironic because the story on the uh, 18-year-old working in the adult entertainment industry was on page four and five, but we featured on page one of the Bruin Voice an article about a track coach who had been arrested um, and charged and was being sentenced for molesting a 16-year-old Bear Creek um, student. Um, and so I found it really um, ironic, actually, that this was um, the district statement. I'll 
I'll read it to you here. Um, <laughs> because it has to do with safety. Um, right. uh, the last part of it says, we take our responsibility to our community very seriously, and we will always be diligent in our efforts when student safety is at issue. I mean, that to me is laughable. Did they think people were going to die if they read a story about a student who works in adult entertainment? There, there was no safety issue um, at all um, with this well, story. So, uh, yeah, tell us how this story came about. What was the process you and your students followed in considering this story? How did it, how did it come about? In this case, right after our March break, the individual page editor sat down in small groups, and a student just a staff member pitched the story and said, hey, you know, I, I've been hearing a lot about this girl who is working in the adult entertainment industry, and there's been, uh, there have been rumors about her. I've heard she's been bullied, and maybe, maybe she would welcome the chance to tell her story and, and tell the truth about what she does and, and what the reality is. And so Bailey Kirkaby happened to have a speech and debate class with this student, Caitlin, and she said, well, sure, I'll take the story. And so um, she ran with it. And when Caitlin heard we were interested in profiling her, she um, was quite adamant herself that if she were to participate in this interview, she wanted her name to be used for that very reason. She had been subjected to um, rumors, innuendo, um, you know, just a lot of uh, false comments. And so she she wanted to set the record straight on her behalf. And well, so, we, we welcome the opportunity for her to tell her story. Yeah, and tell us a bit more about uh, Caitlin Fink, the student at the center of this story. She's 18. She's a student at Bear Creek. Um, as you said, she did not object to being identified in the story. In fact, um, in the aftermath of the controversy that, that came about from you working on the story, has said it's important um, other young people get a realistic picture of the adult entertainment industry and pornography. Um, do you do you have an understanding of why she wanted her story out there once when, once you all began working on the story? Yes, uh, I think part of it is that um, people make assumptions about sex workers. She wanted to set the record straight. She wanted them to not see her um, just as an object. Maybe it was kind of a high bar for us to, to reach for, but we went for it. We thought if we told her story... In, in her own words, then maybe every 14-year-old girl who's sitting, you know, in class just having failed three classes her freshman year and has some difficult choices to make is going to think long and hard about those choices um, after reading Caitlin's profile. And we also hope that every boy sitting in class um, who utilizes porn, and we, we know there's lots of them, um, are, are going to now look and, and say, well, that's a real person there. That's a girl who has bills to pay, who has rent, who has utilities, who, who's something beyond just an object on a screen. You received um, a letter in early April from your superintendent stating, among other things, that um, this, and this was while you were preparing the story, um, and this letter from mm -hmm. your superintendent said that if administrators did not get a chance to review this article, that you could face punishment, including possible termination. Um, you also said at the start of our interview that um, the that discussion and the legal ramifications of printing the story still are, are not resolved. Um, I wonder no. where that stands now. I know that you have started to work with a lawyer um, and as well, also representing Bailey as well. So I wonder where that stands yeah. now. The, the last correspondence we have from the district is dated May 1st, and that was correspondence from their attorney in which I was accused of insubordination 
um, unfortunately. It makes a false claim that the principal um, engaged in prior review and that I um, failed to uh, allow that prior review and I was um, insubordinate because of that. And let's let's just be very clear. My principal, Hillary Harrell, never engaged in prior review. Thus, there could be no insubordination on my part. So this is a fabricated um, and the, claim. Yeah, you say um, this is what this is what the superintendent has said. Um, yes. Yeah. This this is an actually um, a letter from their attorney. Have you faced situations? Um, I mean, you've been the. The, the journalism advisor for the Bruin Voice for 30 years, I mean, you were the founding advisor back in the early 90s. I mean, have you faced situations where you've clashed with administrators like this before as um, the journalism teacher at Bear Creek? Yes. The last time I was faced with a charge of insubordination, I think, was in 2010, um, where Principal Daryl Camp, we had run a couple of stories. Um, one was about him losing his master key for the third time and the cost associated with rekeying the school. That story we ran because <laughs> he sent out an email to the entire staff admonishing them uh, for the key costs when he, in fact, was the one who had lost his keys. <laughs> it was after that story ran, and then we ran another story about him setting up a um, questionably legal math class um, that was comprised of um, minority boys. Uh, every math teacher um, had refused to teach it. They had actually gone to the school board to protest it, fell on deaf ears. And so he elected to hand that class to a brand new first year teacher because she obviously couldn't say no. And so we uh, covered that story. And it was after those two stories ran that he uh, put in writing that I had to submit the newspaper one week in advance for prior review. And if I did not do so, um, I would be um, insubordinate. Yeah, so it sounds and, like you have you have uh, <laughs> gotten, gotten on the wrong side of your administrators before. Um, I wonder yeah, how you yeah. feel, you know, as both a, a a teacher and as someone who teaches journalistic ethics and values, um, why you have made it, um, apparently made it such a point to draw such a hard line on issues of things like prior restraint and, and, and ultimately students' First Amendment rights. I think it's just the foundation of, of our country. I mean, our, our press is, is, it was founded to be the watchdog of our government. Um, it's the checks and balances system. And for students at, um, at a high school level, that means that we are the watchdog of our principal, of our administration, of our school board, of our superintendent. And we take that job very seriously. When they try this type of overreach, they need to understand every time they try to cherry-pick um, questionably relevant court cases or uh, throw at us inaccurate um, paraphrased board policies to try to support prior review, they will be held accountable for that type of overreach. Yeah. Louie, so, you have another question. Yeah. Hi, yeah. So I don't uh, teach journalism or oversee a newspaper in a high school setting. And um, mm-hmm. I do know that journalism teachers, at least, you know, in our region, they, they know each other because they, they go to conferences together and, and that kind of thing. And what yeah. could I don't under how prevalent is the, the need for prior review? Because I, I just don't know. Do you think that's like a, a regional thing? Is that like a national thing where that's happening with administrators and teachers or or not? 
I think it dates back to um, two key court cases, and that would be um, Hazelwood and Tinker. The, the one that most applies for us would be um, what we call the Tinker test, and that was Tinker versus um, Des Moines. Right, that's um, the armband one, right? Yes, that's the armband one. And for us, that means um, that we are a, a, what's called a public forum, um, and, and it states um, such in our district policy. Um, and I'll read you what Lodi Unified School District um, Board of Education actually um, puts out. It says, a school na- newspaper is a medium for publishing the news, a public forum for discussing current events of interest to students. So by definition, the district has labeled as a public forum. So we fall under the Tinker versus um, Des Moines ruling, um, not Hazelwood. And so uh, under the Tinker test, the district cannot infringe on student speech unless it has reason to believe that such expression will substantially interfere with the work of the school or impinge upon the rights of other students. And the district, um, in their letter to us um, requesting prior review, did not prove to us that this article met that standard. And so that is why we had to respectfully decline the prior review request. Yeah, I wonder what you think your students have learned and are learning um, through this process, which has turned into, um, I think, a, a national deal. What are they learning? Well, um, I think every high school should have a journalism program, and I think the subtitle of journalism should be critical thinking um, because th- this is civics. 101. I mean, from pitching story ideas to researching to interviewing to writing to editing to designing and layout, just think of the skill set um, that the students acquire. Um, and, and because of that, they, they understand the, the democratic process. They understand the, the scope of free speech. Um, so many students today, I'm surprised, actually, at how many students today are okay with um, having their, their speech censored um, and how freely they wave that right away without even realizing it. We had a story that we ran in, in 2013 in which our school was the only school out of the comprehensive high schools in Lodi Unified that fought a social media contract that basically um, any, any athlete or anyone in extracurriculars was asked to sign a contract that said anything you post on your social media account um, could be deemed offensive and you could be punished. I mean, it actually used that word anything. And students were just signing it away like it was no big deal. And and when it got to our school, we said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Um, that's against the law. <laughs> and, and I just don't think students um, are educated very well in our schools about what their rights are. And I think that's where a journalism program is so very valuable. Bakari, well, you had a thought. Yeah, so... I- Again, thank you for uh, being here with us today and sharing your story. I I I wonder though, to the extent in which um, this notion of like infringing on students' rights and their First Amendment, did you think that if you allowed the district to actually um, review the article before it being published, that they would try to censor the article based on what was actually published? I think that's a very slippery slope. Um, Once you allow um, prior review. It has a very chilling effect on free speech because what you have then said is that any article is up for prior review for the district. And so think of someone who wants to 
submit an article to the Bruin Voice for publication, they now have in the back of their mind, oh, this could also now be submitted to the superintendent. So, so no, um, I, I will never agree to prior review just because of what that leads to. Imagine if your city newspaper had to submit their articles to your mayor before they were approved for publication. How would you feel about that? I think that's the, and what effect do you think that would have on free speech? I, I guess in the school setting, I think that it's a, a bit different. I do also think that allowing Why? prior review doesn't necessarily result in a censorship of the um, of student voice. And I think that I mean ultimately the district still gets to read the paper, and I, I get that it's after it's after it's been published, but I don't. I think that there's a conversation that could happen in between that, that ultimately, assuming from like an asset-based thinking uh, point that the administrators are attempting mm-hmm. to um, to actually like minimize and to actually support the students in their, in their work and like in leveraging their voice. And so I think that there's a, a, a notion or a version of this that could allow for administrative review, but I'm not saying that administrators are approving but it's like almost like here's a heads up. This is what what we're working on. Bakari, can I ask before Kathy responds? Bakari, mm-hmm. can I ask as a assistant principal at a school? If I mean, and I don't know if your school has any sort of like student publication or student media, but if um, you knew that there was going to be a story published about a student who was involved in um, sex work, mm-hmm. how would you approach it as an administrator? I <laughs> I would definitely want to know more about what that story would include because again you're, you're you want to be able to also protect the privacy of the student you want to also um, be you, you just want to be able to do your due diligence as an administrator and it it does create safety and privacy concerns yeah. and a little bit different for you because you teach it in middle school so that that would be a, a wholly different conversation because it's not an eighteen year old uh, agreed uh, yeah um, but I can so I can see I can see the concern I definitely understand the teacher test and I I, I think that. Part of that is part of their uh, their prior review is to attempt to do a better job at making sure the Tinker Test is being applied, and that it's not that people want to be censored. Or that I would assuming I would not want to censor my students, um, but I would want to make sure that we are also staying in accordance with the law as well. Hey, Kathy, yeah, I'm interested to hear what you think as a as a longtime journalism teacher, someone who has um, run up against um, administrative pressures before. Um, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I think our ed code, um, and we have a very specific ed code in California, it's 48907. It gives absolute power. It puts the power in the hands of, and I'll quote, journalism advisor or advisors of student publications within each school um, to enforce ed code 48907, um, which is to ensure that um, nothing that we print is um, libelous, um, defamatory, invasion of privacy, any of those things. So the, the power um, to make that determination rests with me. And so you have to have, um, yes, trust for your advisor that she understands the law, that she knows the law, that she will uphold the highest standards of professional journalism in English. Um, and um, you have to be able to show me a good reason for and a justification of why you would want to engage in prior review for a story. And if you could present to me a compelling reason, um, then perhaps uh, then we would have a different discussion. But the district was not able to do that. And for you as an administrator to just say, I just want to see it because of the topic, that's not okay. 
You're going to be going back to school tomorrow. We're taping this on a Sunday. I, I wonder what you what are your plans now? Are there going to be any follow up stories? Are you what do you expect the um, staff meeting to be like um, on Monday and throughout this week? <laughs> Um, yes, we will go forward. Um, we will. Um, there were some um, speaking of privacy rights, and we feel that uh, Caitlin's um, privacy rights were actually violated her FERPA rights um, by the district because of some things they did. They they tried to send me a confidential letter um, that was written by her parents. Um, that was a clear a FERPA violation. Um, just the fact that they got wind of the story from a staff member um, who took it upon herself saying she had a moral obligation um, was a FERPA violation. So you're saying we that, that, that led to we, the, the superintendent writing you. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So we will follow through um, with those um, FERPA requests. We're also going to file a um, Freedom of Information Act request um, to get the documents, emails related um, <clears throat> um, from the district um, uh, to this case. And also we want to find out how much they actually spent of taxpayer money um, in pursuing this. So, yes, we will be pursuing it on a couple different names. Um, I think I might already know the answer to this, but, I mean, are you still looking at the real possibility of uh, being fired? Well, my attorney um, replied um, the next day on May 2nd, um, and he um, was very clear um, in his analysis, um, refuting each one of their um, inaccurate, um, like I said, cherry-picking of legal cases and, and board policy um, and um, he simply says, um, any retaliation against um, me for doing so, um, in other words, um, protecting students um, under 48907, any retaliation against me would break the law and expose the district to liability. So if they choose to pursue that, they will be breaking the law and exposing themselves to liability, and we will go from there. Before we say goodbye to uh, Kathy, Susana, you had one last question. One last question. Um, we've heard yeah. about, you know, the way you feel and, the, and, and, and how you're moving forward with this. Has Caitlin, I'm, I'm wondering, has Caitlin felt anything about, or, the you student know, at this the story, student, yeah. yeah. How does she yes, feel? We, um, she, she is so excited. Um, she has now been um, on several newscasts, um, and, and um, if, you know, I, I've been inundated with requests from, you know, Inside Edition to every news station wanting to talk to her, and she has been very eloquent in um, saying, you know, I, I think this is a taboo topic. I'm so glad we're talking about it. So um, I think she is extremely happy um, and confident um, in this story. Well, uh, Kathy Duffel, we uh, look forward to uh, reading any follow-up reporting that the Bruin Voice does. I guess we'll be able to find it at BruinVoice.net. Kathy Duffel, she is the English teacher and journalism advisor at Bear Creek High School in uh, Stockton, California. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.